0: this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 11 of season 2 of This Osteopathic Life. There was a week omitted since the last episode. And it's the first, we'll call it miss, of the second season. <clears throat> and its absence actually led to the topic for this podcast. So, as always, we'll accept that it's unfolding as it should and embrace the information and the topic and the exploration and hopefully the dialogue that can emerge from this experience. So it's currently Friday. The 1st of May, it's May Day. And generally, this day would be celebrated with a big festival at our son's school and our daughter's preschool. And that's usually held on the 1st Friday in May. And this 1st Friday in May actually falls on May Day itself. It's also usually 1st Friday in Ashland in Southern Oregon where we live and there's big outdoor celebrations and the silent disco which I think I mentioned in previous podcasts and at present in this year 2020 none of these things are happening and it's a challenging time it's an unexpected time it's an unprecedented time and I think everyone's a bit out of sorts and For me, one week ago today, at this time, I was somewhere potentially in the state of Idaho. So as I've shared, my family splits time between southern Oregon and northwest Michigan. And we've been back and forth about the decision of when to make our summer return. Normally we would come mid-summer and stay for about six weeks. But because school is closed and my clinic is closed and our gym is closed, summer, in some ways, arrived early. You know, not the season. We didn't change the calendar dates, although the temperatures in Southern Oregon have moved forward more quickly as well. But just the general concept of what shifts in our schedule indicate summer have happened sooner. And in some ways, it can feel like there's this endless summer happening. and we think about some of the characteristics of summer, the lack of rhythm and routine and shift in schools and schedules, you know, some of that has happened in a way during these closures that are occurring to reduce the threat of spread of the virus that we're facing at this point in time. And so our, our family, we considered it even early on at the time of school distancing, and then once we heard the announcement of official closure for the remainder of the school year, we finally decided to just make the move. And in all the times we have traveled back and forth, I have flown, generally because I'm working up until a certain time, and then flying and working on the other end. And so to maximize my time on the job, I have flown while my family sometimes has flown for various holidays depending on the time, but usually they will make the drive, and it's a long drive. And the only time I have made that trip across the country is back in 2002 when my husband, who was not yet then my husband, visited the United States for the first time when we made this big road trip, and that's the only time I've ever been all the way to the coast in the car and then back making a big loop around the country and so it was that I was to join my family in the car for this trip and it was always anticipated that I would this summer we decided that I would join in for the road trip and see all these sights they had seen and stop and see friends and family along the way and make an event of it and then closures happened and you know there's to be no stopping and mingling and visiting you know touching of any surfaces and so it became this very different style of road trip you know is maximal time in the car minimal time out of the car not stopping for food anywhere you know extreme hygiene just to refuel and for any pit stops and you know my initial thought was of course the one time I'm going to make the drive is like this in a disappointed way, you know, in a, I can't believe it's happening this way or I can because it seems all these extremes happen in conjunction with me. And then I can pause and reframe and just say, of course it's happening this way and we'll embrace it. You know, the adventure and this version of the road trip. And so a week ago today at this time, I made a little bit of progress, but I will say a week ago today and maybe six to eight hours earlier, I was in a full blown kind of freak out panic attack. And I did so quietly and relatively internally, although my husband perceived it and my posturing and awkward sitting in the front seat of the car would indicate that something wasn't quite right. And it was about six hours into the trip. We left at 6 a.m. Pacific time on the Friday. And around noon, it had been six hours, and we were still in Oregon. And there were a whole lot of states and many miles in between. And we had taken a bit of a northern route to kind of secure our travel over mountain passes. But regardless, it was going to be long. You know, best case scenario was 32 hours of driving, just driving time. That's without any pauses for any reason. And six hours in, I was completely overwhelmed and also blown away that my family had done this repeatedly and still lived to tell about it and seemed to enjoy it and filmed videos along the way. And for me, I also saw these whole days, right, Friday Saturday, Sunday, which in some ways we might think have become irrelevant in this time without as much structure. But I have typical things I was doing on those days, you know, exercise and work tasks and creative outlets. And I'm thinking, I'm just losing time. or I'm just sitting in this car and time is moving by. I'm not going to get anything done. I'm not going to be able to exercise were eating strange food, you know, just all these piles of thoughts kept coming, and then they just dissipated. I should say, I chose different thoughts about the situation, and it really felt like the act of acceptance. You know, it was a bit of denial and anger and frustration kind of the stages of grieving heading into it, and then just. A shift that led to acceptance and some ease. And there wasn't much choice, right? I was in the car and if we were going to get to Michigan, I needed to remain in the car until we reached that point. And in that shift and in that opening, there was space. And I found the capacity to just be, just be in the car, talk to my husband and also to do some of those things even in a clearer way. So, because I was simply in the car and that was, you know, there was no other distraction really for what to do, I was able to get some tasks done that I was working on for a friend, for a colleague. And then I really started to open up this creative space for some writing that I've been meaning to do and just never found the way because at home, I had a number of tasks in different meetings, and there's always something around the house to do, and as I said, working out would be a priority, and so I'd ship and do that, and that would take up an amount of time, and the writing just never became a priority. And through this moment of being in the car, still having access to my computer, I was able to delve into some of this writing and brainstorming and processing of ideas that I'd had but haven't really been able to... Bring to an action state and so it was fascinating to me and what kept coming up was this idea of stillness in motion and on the most basic level i thought how fascinating that i'm sitting in this car right the most still i've been in months and months and months while this car is traveling you know at rapid speeds And covering so many miles, so much motion was happening, and yet I and my family were so still in this car. And just that paradox, just that balance, you know, of that requirement of us to be still in order to undertake the motion that would get us to our home in the most efficient means possible while taking instruments we wanted to take. And I think about that in airplane travel and how many times I've been still in the plane while moving, you know, over these vast distances in efficient periods of time. I also thought about... So that's the still me in this bigger moving picture, right? The stillness of me, again, and the amount of motion happening internally with my brain, with the creative energy, with the act of writing, with the act of processing, with the act of reaching out, you know, making connections. And then it required me also to be still externally in order to internally engage in this motion, this meaningful motion that was taking me closer, not necessarily physically, but intentionally and opportunistically toward these activities. And experiences with others that I've been seeking. And so it was just so interesting to think about that kind of picture in picture in picture concept of being still, almost making the space and allowing for motion in these different ways. And as I thought about that, I considered the titles of two books. On osteopathic medicine written by rollin becker he was one of our you know early physicians leaders thought leaders author teacher mentor and he trained a number of the people with whom i have trained and his two books are called i'm gonna, they're in the reverse order but i'm gonna read them this way just how it fits into this title stillness of life and life in motion and I honestly wasn't considering them as these thoughts came up. But then as I sat with the process longer, you know, the book covers kind of came to me. And I ha- I own the books. I've read the books. And just seeing their covers and thinking about that blending, you know, of those two. And Life in Motion came first. And then Stillness of Life. But just seeing them written that way. Stillness of Life, Life in Motion, if we merge life in the two of them, we come to the title of this podcast and that concept that was coming up for me. What I've always appreciated about Dr. Becker's teachings is the true dedication to seeing and seeking the health and acknowledging the capacity of the patient. You know, his work is one that I reference when I think about patient's requests to be fixed for us to, you know, offer the cure to change them and really be able to say, you know, the, Power. the capacity for healing is within you and there's this relationship there's this engagement that encourages it to manifest more successfully i also thought about a quote that my colleague had provided to me and i incorporated into a blog back in 2017 and he knew i was heading off to this course that talked a lot about stillness And he sent me this quote with the challenge, could I name the author, you know, without Googling it? And I couldn't. And I'll read the quote first, give you a chance to consider if you know it, if you might wager a guess, if you don't know it at who the originator of the quote is, and then I'll share the author with you. The stillness in stillness is not the real stillness. Only when there is stillness in movement does the universal rhythm manifest and going to this course, we might think it to be an osteopathic physician, but actually it was stated by Bruce Lee. And that can make sense. If we think about, you know, the context and action and the importance of that inner focus and stillness and this time in the car and you know, what happened on the gross level with moving geographically and on the microscopic level with processing thought and creativity. I see so clearly, maybe even more now, in this quote that, you know, it's one thing to be still, and there's one thing to find stillness in movement. And particularly in this time, when everything feels a bit chaotic, and maybe that's just me, although I've had some testimonies from various friends who, you know, everything's changing so rapidly and we're being asked to adapt to new systems. And there's so much lack of familiarity in the routine that give us some foundation and structure and function on which to operate, that it just feels chaotic. And if there's capacity to hone in to that stillness that centeredness within that chaos, you know, all the better. And maybe that's the true lesson we're gaining from everything that's unfolding during this time. To that, and another quote comes up, this time by Deepak Chopra, who states directly, in the midst of movement and chaos, keep stillness inside of you. And in this one, I would draw attention to that word keep and my first instinct is to say what if it wasn't there in the first place but if we think about stillness as a form of health and think about the inherent healing capacity and self-regulatory mechanisms that we know to be true through the practice of osteopathic medicine of course it's always there and it is a matter of keeping it keeping awareness of it, nurturing it to allow, you know, thinking about stoking the fire of stillness or of health within to not die down, you know, not to be lost, not to be ignored, not to be kind of lost in the shuffle, buried under all the other distractions and noise. So in the midst of movement and chaos, keep stillness inside of you. Remember stillness is inside of you. Acknowledge stillness is inside of you. Let's say find it, or seek it, but always from that place of knowing. It can't be lost. You know, it's this energy that can't be changed, but it can be ignored. You know, again, it can be neglected. It can be buried. It can be shifted, but it's there. And so remembering that, holding that attention and intention can be so helpful. Then there are two from Eckhart Tolle. Stillness is where creativity and solutions to problems are found. And reading that one after the car experience was like, well, yes, thank you. Of course, that's what happened. You know, that's where that stillness allowed for space for me to tap into ideas that were always there right and just in that last quote the stillness was always inside of me but actually sitting with it being with it surrendering to it and there was a surrender there was a struggle as i said those first 6 hours i couldn't fathom you know how this would Possibly be a successful journey, but then by the end of it, it's almost like okay, I could do more time in the car because so much good was happening, you know, mentally and and even physically. You know, the rest, peace, sitting in the car probably not so great, but just that idea of allowing my body to rest. As I mentioned, I go toward exercises and outlets, and in times like this where there's less structure, you know, I'll tend to overcompensate with that movement. The other from Eckhart Tolle gets a little more esoteric, perhaps. Stillness is the only thing in this world that has no form, but then it really is not a thing and is not of this world. And that is an interesting one. As we think about stillness within and stillness externally in that continuum of us and the universe, us within the universe us as an indistinguishable part of the universe and seeing that common thread, you know, of stillness, but not being able to draw it out or even describe it perhaps very effectively. And the other one, which ties in a bit to one blog article entry, um, I was able to put out in this past week is that being still and doing nothing are two completely different things. And that's from Jackie Chan. And do nothing was the name of the blog that I wrote. And I can put the link in the show notes here. It's also on the website, but that being still is a full and vital state being still and doing nothing And it's interesting to me as I wrote the do nothing article, if I went back and entered in be still in the verbiage there to see how that would change, because the idea of doing nothing can be seen as a negative and even how it's used in this quote, particularly if you're just standing there inert, nothingness, blah, you know, just empty. But being still, you're present and you're engaged and it's a state of activity if you think about energetically and mentally, you know, what it can hold and it's allowing for opportunity, right? It's allowing for receptiveness. It's allowing you to be in a state in which to move toward action if that's appropriate, if that's what is meant to happen so being still versus doing nothing and again the article i would charge that doing nothing wasn't held in just this blank space but just thinking about that power and the capacity and what stillness can potentially hold basic definitions of stillness include quiet absence of noise or disturbance release, relaxation, silence, abstention from speech, tranquility, peace, security, that which appeases. And that absence of disturbance. Again, here is where stillness and health, you could just take them out and exchange them, you know, one for the other. So if we're thinking about that perfect form, that grand design, the original intention, the greatest capacity at the cellular level in our bodies of health and you know, we see that in stillness right absence of disturbance and you just think of that clearest calmest cleanest water you can imagine you know, where you can see depths and you can see every detail on the rocks that are below and there's no sediment and it's still but you know it's not stagnant you know, it's, it's this potent active stillness where, you know, that beyond the capacity of us to see it, there's this constant motion happening, right? And the, the stillness exists within that motion. And this is from another website from, Red, as an energy healer, but it was an interesting concept. And I think that idea of the potency comes through here that stillness is a connection point. It is where two energies of movement meet and create a connection. Stillness is where two opposites meet and become one. The midpoint of a spectrum where two waves merge into one. Whether a harmonious merging or not, the connection happens. We talk about still points in treatment in osteopathic medicine, in particular in osteopathy in the cranial field, and And when we're treating and observing, listening, honoring the movement within the system, say of the patient, you know, of the patient engaging with the world, and it can come to what we might describe as a pause. And the pause might feel like nothing, right? You don't feel any motion at that point. And you can look at it in different ways. It can be that shift of where we had perhaps a dysfunctional or less desirable pattern, taking a pause and restarting again in a more desirable, more functional way. You can also think of it as the point of the greatest motion and energy and connection because it's taking that merging of those two systems and it's holding and listening and taking all... the best energy in the system and then resetting, restarting, launching again into a clearer, cleaner, deeper breath of the whole and being able to see that still point as either of those, you know, as this dialing down into just the dot, the point, right? You know, two lines coming together, you know, Two circles intersecting just that one point, or seeing that still point as all encompassing of the whole, right? It's so broad and wide and includes all potential movements. You know, there's so much energy in there that can then be redirected, that the body has the capacity to shift and manifest. In the fuller expression, the clearer expression of health and wholeness. As an interesting side note, as I was looking at Still Point in different concepts and different expressions, it came up as the name of a practice, you know, for osteopathic physicians or international osteopaths. Maybe the most popular. You know, I didn't do an evaluation to see what other choices there were, but still point osteopathy osteopathic medicine came up repeatedly filled a whole page of search results which was fascinating to me and i would love to and i may connect with the different owners of these practices and see what their interpretation of stillness and still point might be and perhaps create a discussion about the idea of stillness in motion and the idea of stillness as perhaps the greatest expression of health. Considering that we often think of movement as health for the body, moving well, moving often, moving responsibly, moving for transport, moving for connection, moving for our livelihood, you know, moving in meaningful ways, moving in restful ways, but we associate health through movement with our body, with our physical health. In fact, that's the subtext I used for a recent YouTube channel that I've created to be able to reach out to patients in this time when I can't work with them one-on-one in person. Stillness, on the other hand, can be most therapeutic for perhaps the mind and the spirit and potentially the body as well. You know there are merits again in that pause in that restful state for recovery purposes, but more so the impact, the efficacy, the potency of stillness for mental and spiritual health can be so great. And again, it's not still nothing blank pause it's still in stillness with this capacity for hearing ourselves you know listening within being receptive externally and with stillness also having a little more discernment you know if we're moving so quickly all the time we don't necessarily have the chance to filter or to truly view and consider in a way that might be meaningful for us. But in this place of stillness, we can be more contemplative and more critical in a positive way to say, is this appropriate? Is this the best choice? What do I think about this? How would I change it? What would I shift? You know, stillness grants us that capacity. So here for this episode one week later than anticipated and I did consider recording a podcast in the car and that just didn't come to fruition, didn't seem practical but I'm back where the podcast began back in Northwest Michigan we're moving into a new season, the month of May and the promise that spring can bring and just being appreciative and acknowledging the importance of finding stillness in motion and what that can truly mean for the health of all things. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with this osteopathic life. Thank you for listening.